Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Helen Tupper. And I'm Sarah Ellis. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast, where each week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through your squiggly world. And before we get on to this week's topic, I just wanted to mention a brilliant newsletter that has come out this week from one of our friends, Bruce Daisley. He's not paying us to say this or anything. It's just, <laughs> it just is brilliant. And over the last couple of weeks, lots of people have been talking to us about how we return to offices, if we return to offices, what that hybrid way of working is going to look and feel like. We're definitely not the experts in this area, but Bruce is. And he's put together all of his knowledge and insights into his Make Work Better newsletter, which this week is a 10-stage guide to planning returning to some sort of normality. I think we're all craving in some way, shape or form. And he talks about things like experiments rather than decision making there's loads of stats facts there's loads of examples from other organizations and what they're all doing we'll put a link in the podcast notes to it or you can just follow Bruce on LinkedIn and then you'll get access to his newsletter that way but if that's something that is a hot topic for you and your organization right now Maybe it's something you're really interested to read or perhaps it's something that you could share internally. So we thought we'd just mention it because it's just one of those things that I think will be a really useful go-to resource for the next couple of months, if not the rest of the year, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like we're going to be in phasing, lots of return phasing. So yeah, save it, save it to your favourites for when it's right for you. So today we're going to be talking about feedback. And I'm sure we've covered this before. We have covered this before in episode 19, almost three years ago. And last night I re-listened to it, Sarah. Oh yeah, how how bad was it? (laughs) So the start, the start was a bit clunky, lacked a bit of personality. Um, But then actually some really good tips in there. It sounded more like us. I was like, oh, even three years ago, it sounded like us. Though I did say, I thought, you would like slap my hand every time you heard me say it. What do you think is the cringeworthy corporate phrase that I said five times? <laughs> about a- feedback, about how you deliver feedback. There was one word that I used like five times. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I was, was I, so I was working at Microsoft at the time. So I think that was probably like communication context was that it was slightly more on the corporate vibes. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't guess. Go on land landing feedback five times so Helen I hope you feel feel bad about yourself I did feel horrendous (laughs) about myself and then I recognized how much I've grown oh that's probably a good example of how not to give feedback I'm like I hope I hope you're you're feeling bad (laughs) yeah Sarah is my critical feedback friend and by the way on the how much I've grown I I probably could listen to an episode two weeks ago and I'd probably say land still but um it it was pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) 
So today we are going back to feedback, but instead of kind of just general ideas for kind of how to do feedback, we wanted to really focus on some feedback challenges. It's probably useful to start with a definition of feedback, I think. So the definition that we often use in workshops on feedback is information to help you improve. It should really feel like a conversation, not a confrontation, though I think often it's not even a confrontation. It's just something that we ignore or avoid. And Stephen Covey's got a really great quote on empathy, which I think really links to this idea of the intent through which we kind of give this information. And he says that when you show deep empathy towards others, their defensive energy goes down and positive energy replaces it. And that's when we get more creative in solving problems. So in this episode, we thought we would focus on four common feedback challenges and how to fix them or to make some progress towards fixing (laughs) them. And those four challenges are the first one, how to get more constructive feedback. So how to receive more challenging feedback. The second one is getting feedback from your peers. The third one is giving feedback to your manager And then the fourth one is giving and getting feedback when you're working virtually. So we are properly taking on the knotty problems of feedback, I think, today. In 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) What a challenge. (laughs) Well, we'll start with the first one because we did some, the survey on Instagram about kind of what people were most struggling with. And it was this one about getting more constructive feedback. The real reason this is a challenge is that people just aren't getting as much constructive feedback as they want. There's a survey done by Harvard Business Review, which we will link to. And in that, it said that 57% of people prefer corrective feedback. So that kind of even better if feedback versus praise or recognition. And we asked our community on Instagram and it was really similar findings. I said, would you rather get more strength-based feedback at the moment or more, I think I called it developmental feedback or more even better if feedback. And we had a really similar percentage of people, 62% of people just wanted more and more of this kind of more constructive or challenging feedback. So I think the really big question becomes, well, why are we not getting, if if the vast majority of people want to get more constructive feedback, why aren't we? And the big barrier seems to be that people tend to avoid giving it. So we all want more of it, but we're all avoiding giving it to each other. (laughs) It's like a real catch-22, isn't it? It's really the constructive (laughs) feedback catch-22. I mean, it's not that snappy a statement, but hopefully we all get it. So I think part of the thing that we can do to help ourselves get more constructive feedback is also to start giving more constructive feedback because you've got to sort of practice giving it if you want to receive it but appreciate that's probably not what everyone wants to hear because everyone's starting point is I want more Helen and Sarah don't just tell me to give more that is true but what can you do to get more constructive feedback I recently I think I read this it was a tip from Adam Grant which I thought was really really good He was asking for some constructive feedback. And one of the things that he was noticing, so he's a very successful academic lecturer, thought leader. And one of the things that he was noticing was that people were really reluctant to give him honest, constructive feedback. Maybe they thought that, you know, they admired him, so they didn't want to give him that feedback or they didn't know how he would take it. But he he had definitely had this gap in the feedback that he wanted to get. And so what he said was when anyone sort of gave him slightly vague feedback on an area he wanted to improve him 
he would give them a scale and he would say, on a scale of one to 10, how effectively do you think I presented that seminar or how compelling was that article that I'd just written? And no one will ever give 10. Even if they would have given you some strengths-based feedback before, they'll probably give you like a seven or an eight, something like that. And what that meant he could do is say, thank you, really appreciate that. If it was to get to like nine or 10, or just to move up by one or two points, what would it take to do that? And he said that giving someone this like frame or a scale just helps them to get just a little bit more specific and a little bit more constructive in their feedback. I think people feel, we've seen that before, people like a scale, it makes a hard conversation that little bit easier. I also wonder whether, and this is potentially a bit controversial, but given how hard it is to give constructive feedback and more kind of developmental feedback, when people start to practice this more, and if you do see people kind of giving this a go, we haven't had that much practice. We know that. We know that people are not doing it very often. And so sometimes it might not be given to you in a brilliant way. It might not be like the perfectly constructed sentence or the exactly the kind of the ideal way of delivering that feedback. And perhaps we need to give people a bit of leeway to start practicing this. So it might not be absolutely brilliant, in terms of how you've got that feedback but remembering to say thank you to somebody because it is a hard thing to do and then asking a few more follow-up questions so that that person knows that you really appreciate someone taking the time to do something for you that is hard and I think that is a tricky thing to do there's a tipping point isn't there of like I don't think we want people to give feedback in a way that is hurtful or personal or all those things which is not what feedback is for it's not information to help you improve if we go back to the intent for why we give that feedback but I think maybe just giving people a bit of license to practice this a bit more would be a good thing makes me think as well about something that we you know we didn't mention this actually in that podcast that we did a couple of years ago but Kim Scott's work on radical candor which I'm sure lots of our listeners are familiar with that balance between it's when somebody cares personally about you and your career so they've got to know what it is that you care about and what you want to kind of develop in. But also when they they have the ability to challenge you directly, that's sort of like the sweet spot there. I think making sure that you are giving something to care about. You, I might say to Sarah, one of the things that was really important to me this year is becoming a better storyteller. Like I've given her that thing to sort of connect with me on. But then knowing as well that she has the ability to give me that kind of clear is kind feedback, that direct feedback, that balance is where we're going to get the radical candor that Kim Scott talks about. So let's move on to the second challenge, which is getting feedback from your peers. So peers are just people that you probably a similar-ish sort of level in an organisation, people you work with frequently. And I always think this is probably the most underappreciated, undervalued source of feedback that we have available to us. We often don't get very much feedback from peers because we still are perhaps anchored to this idea of, oh no, feedback comes from more senior people. It's more of a hierarchical thing. And maybe also it feels a bit awkward to ask if you're working with someone a lot, maybe you're friends with them or, you know, you get on really well. Maybe it just feels a bit weird, (laughs) but I think it's a really big opportunity because these people see you the most. They probably experience your ways of working the most. They probably see you at your best and at your worst, which is helpful. Hence why I always think, oh, these people are actually so important to your ability to keep improving and keep getting better. So what can we do to get more feedback from our peers? One of the things that we talk about is three R's, regular, routine and real time as principles for feedback. So how can you give feedback regularly as often as possible? 
routine is sort of how do you make it a habit and just sort of how you work rather than something separate or disconnected from your day job and real time I mean obviously you can't quite give feedback in real time because that wouldn't quite work but as close to the moment of something happening as possible so I think particularly for peers because these are people you work with all of the time think about what would it take to apply those principles to giving and getting feedback to each other and one of the things that we find often works really well is framing and focusing your feedback so rather than just all saying oh we're all just going to give and get a bit more feedback from each other because we can see that might be useful you go a step further than that and perhaps you do focus on feedback for a week where actually you think right as a small team perhaps three or four of you at the end of every day we're going to give each other one bit of strengths-based feedback because this doesn't have to always be things that you're not as good at that you want to improve this might be about going we all want to really see each other and give each other feedback about us at our best so maybe at the end of every day this week we're all just going to say to each other oh Helen I saw you at your best today when what was like you at your best on Monday what was you at your best on Tuesday and you could just do that for one week with each other as a small team and the first time it might feel a tiny bit awkward but I bet you by the next day it feels a bit less awkward and you get a bit more used to it and probably by Friday the examples spring straight to mind and you probably get better at giving and getting that feedback just within that five days I think as well once we've got into a much better habit I think of giving each other feedback quickly like at the end of a day or even at like at the end of the meeting when we spot something's gone really well we're like oh you were really good in that because or that didn't feel quite like us at our best I think Sarah and I often come as like a little buddy or we or we will often say oh that thing wasn't as clear but we do it so frequently that any emotion around it gets really reduced because it's all about that improvement and so I was thinking actually when we were recording this podcast it never always goes completely seamlessly everybody there's some sort of chat that gets cut out <laughs> who, um, who knew who, who knew but <laughs> earlier earlier when we were recording this podcast I was losing my way on a bit of a point a bit of a research and I and I was just trying to gather my thoughts and so one bit of small feedback that I could give Sarah was that actually when I was trying to gather my thoughts Sarah was just really quiet she didn't try to interrupt and give me suggestions she gave me like the mental space for me to collect my thoughts and that was a really helpful way of helping me to get clarity and be able to move on with the recording now that is a really small bit of feedback that I could share with Sarah and just have but that's the point this doesn't have to be oh, you completed that project today, it was amazing. It can just be, you asked a really good question or I thought it was really good when someone asked you a question and you didn't rush to answer it, you had a big pause which showed you were thinking. It's that sort of small feedback about people's actions and behaviours that they might not know or spot in themselves that I think can be really, really helpful. And I do think with this, with your peers, you perhaps have to force it a little bit to get started so this won't just happen by agreeing that feedback is important you do have to create the time space and opportunities to make feedback happen and also agree together how would this work best there's no point doing it at the end of a meeting in a really rushed way where people just get really frustrated by doing it because people are panicking about not having enough space between their zoom meetings to even make themselves a cup of tea and so actually just if together you go as a group, okay, we recognise that feedback is going to help us all to improve individually and together. What could that look like? What might that look like? And just try some stuff out. Where I have seen this work really well, both for us and in organisations I've worked in before, is where you just 
try stuff. And then if you find out that maybe only half people are doing it or quite quickly, if people stop doing it, you just know, oh, okay, that wasn't quite the right thing. But the point then isn't to give up, is it? it's to try something different. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So the third challenge, which I think is a really hard one, is giving feedback to your manager. So when we say here, what's the issue? I think the issue is relatively obvious. <laughs> um, it's pretty hard to give feedback upwards to somebody who, you know, might be deciding on things like your performance reviews, who has a lot of influence and impact on your job and your career. And I think in particular, if it's not something that you see happening elsewhere, and, you know, if your manager isn't proactively asking for feedback, it's a big deal isn't it to go I'm going to decide I've not mm. been I've not been asked for it I am going to decide to give the person I work for feedback about what they're doing well where they might want to improve you might not know how the person is going to receive that feedback obviously a lot of this I think depends on the quality of the relationship you have with your manager I've had managers I've worked for where I think this would have felt almost impossible and I've had other managers I've worked for where actually this would have felt maybe still hard at times, but much more doable. So I think the solution here 
is firstly to remember that you can give your manager positive feedback as well <laughs> as uh, constructive, maybe improvement feedback. Sometimes we default straight to why are they annoying me? How could they get better? But I think, you know, remember it can be quite lonely in senior positions and sometimes those people get very little positive reinforcement and feedback and we all need that in our lives so this is more than just positive praise this is more than just saying oh thanks Helen I just felt like you've been really supportive this week okay well tell Helen how like how did she really support me what was it that I kind of really appreciated so I think just don't forget to do that if you've got more difficult feedback to deliver I think think about how this can be a conversation not a confrontation And there's an acronym which spells COIN, which is useful, particularly, I think, in preparing for conversations, because conversations are never linear. But I think just to make sure you've got clarity of what you're trying to say, this can be useful. And COIN stands for context, observation, impact and next steps. So this is essentially going, so what's the context? So kind of what's happening? So maybe it's you're talking about in regular meetings that we have. What's the observation? So what are you observing happening? What behaviours can you see? In our regular team meetings, that's the context. I've noticed that you interrupt me quite frequently. That's the observation. Impact. How does that make you feel? When you interrupt me, it makes me feel that perhaps my opinion isn't valid or useful, or perhaps I don't even need to be in that meeting. And then next steps is sort of often more about going, well, then what might we together agree to do differently? But I think often before you've got to those next steps, you're starting to also ask questions of your manager. So I think sometimes we do make assumptions that our experiences are the same as everybody else's because we go, well, this is my experience. So I just everyone must be thinking and feeling the same thing as me. And I might have had that exact conversation that I just gave the example of there. So say I was saying that to Helen And then Helen might say to me, oh gosh, I didn't even realise I was doing that. So it was an unconscious behaviour. And someone might just apologise and say, oh, I'll try harder not to do that in the future. And, you know, let me know if I am. Someone might say, oh, sorry, when I was doing that, I thought I was supporting you. So the impact of their behaviour, they thought it was a positive thing, but you'd experienced it in a negative way. So I think you've got to, as part of these conversations, just ask loads of questions And also think about what you can do as well as what your manager can do. I think the closest I've ever got to having really effective conversations in this area has also been about taking accountability and ownership myself to say, well, I've been considering this and I was wondering about maybe trying out doing something different or I would often suggest some actions that I might do and then almost try and prompt my manager to say, oh, you know, and then is there any other ideas you've got? And that way as well, I think it's a maybe a safer way to figure out where your manager is, you know, how they respond, especially if you're kind of not sure. So hopefully that helps just to kind of get you started with that, but it's not easy. There are two of the small things that I have done in the past when I've been in a situation that I think have helped me. The first has been work out what your manager cares about. My normal starting point here is values, but it doesn't have to be values. You might just have an awareness of some of the things that they care about. You know, it might be they care about their profile or their relationships. I had one manager that really cared about health, like was really just into health. And so the way that I could give feedback was if I hooked it back to health, they cared about it more. So let's say that manager was piling on quite a lot of pressure onto the team and the team were working an awful lot of hours and I thought they were getting quite stressed and stressed. If I could give them some feedback that linked back to, 
I know one of the things that you really care about is team health and how everyone is at the moment. One of the things that, which is context really, one of the things that I've observed is that the increased workload is affecting team health. And I think the impact on that is they're becoming quite tired, quite disengaged, having fewer good ideas. I wanted to talk to you about what your thoughts are on that and what we could do differently. The starting point being around the thing they care about almost got them to listen in from the very, very start because that's they want more of that stuff. So maybe what they care about is also a good way to think about the context setting at the beginning. And then the other thing would be, if you are really nervous about it and you've got a peer that you trust, maybe go and talk to them about, A, have they ever given this person feedback before? And if they had what worked and how did the person respond? Or just have they got any tips? Because they will know this context. Even if they've not given that person feedback before, they might just have some you know, ideas and advice for how to do it in a way that could work for you rather than you feel like you're going it alone and at the very least they'll give you some support and they know your context so that'll yeah. be quite helpful and actually one really nice thing that you did there Helen just listening to that example you gave is in the language that you use the kind of the words that you choose you said we rather than you so you know this could feel like a well I'm blaming my manager and this is you and your fault whereas actually you said oh, well, what could we do? And again, I think if you can make this a shared accountability, and that just shows again that that you're also prepared to do something about this, rather than this just, you know, basically feeling like you're going, well, you're doing this wrong. And what are you going to do about this? Which I just think, A, is an incredibly difficult conversation to have well, and it's probably never going to be very constructive. So our final challenge is about how to give and get the feedback that you need when you're working virtually. And if I think about what's the issue here, well, some of it I've seen in research, feedback has decreased when we're working Mm. virtually, partly because there's fewer informal moments for feedback, but also because we've ended up in a scenario where a lot of people are in back-to-back Zoom meetings and we just haven't got as many pauses in our day for those some of those conversations that we might have had. So there's definitely something about the setup of an average working virtual week, which might be slightly working against us in terms of feedback. But there is also a fear that I read about that I thought was quite interesting about people fearing that they are out of sight, out of mind. And so it's making them think, oh, I want more feedback. I need more feedback than maybe I did before because I'm not getting the informal feedback. I thought it was interesting as well. It's almost like it's a worry thinking, oh, what, what are they thinking about me? Are they thinking that I'm not doing the work just because they're maybe not with people as much. So some of that fear creeps in more. So let's think about some solutions then for how we can maybe fix the feedback and try and resolve the fears that we might be having. I think, interestingly, it is worth thinking about some assumptions and challenging them a little bit about feedback done virtually. I think that some people might think that virtual feedback isn't as effective. And I I think I've heard people say that to me, actually. And I was looking at some research uh, from Harvard Business Review that said that as long as you have your camera on, And as long as the camera can see more than your face, so maybe it can see your hands and your like upper body, you're basically framing your body into the camera, then actually virtual feedback can be delivered just as effective as face-to-face feedback because there's some more cues, not just your face in there. So I think don't assume that just because it's done virtually, it won't be as effective. I also think on that, I find difficult feedback easier to deliver when I can't see the person interestingly I'm just thinking about when I have to give you difficult feedback (laughs) (laughs) I think actually if I 
you know the whole like seeing yourself reflected virtually as well and it's quite intense isn't it because you can't you know I've seen some people talk about this you know if you're in a room you don't like make eye contact the whole time you're you know you're sitting in a different way you've kind of got more like space whereas I think it just feels really intense Whereas actually, if I was in a phone conversation, I think you can just pause a bit more. I suspect this is like personal preference and down to different ways of communicating. And I can see why face to face would really matter. But at times, I just find it it's so like full on. I think it might make it even more difficult for me. <laughs> I think it's probably about finding your way, but also challenging the assumptions. Like don't yeah, make the starting agree. point that virtual feedback it's means it's not as good. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible or it's not as good because it's not, it's not true. You just might need to find your way through it. Yeah. But I think that one thing that is true based on the research that I've seen is that we've got less opportunities in our working days to feedback. So we have to find more kind of simple ways to make frequent feedback happen. Here are just a couple. Just I'm just going to put them out there and you you can find the ones that might work for you. So something we've mentioned before, like a win of the week, a team sharing, like one thing that's gone well that week and almost me kind of doing that for Sarah. So Sarah, what do I think a win of the week has been that I've seen for you this week? It could be a way that you could give someone else feedback. So I might say, oh, I thought it was a real win this week, Sarah, when you presented to the team and you got everybody really, really energised and excited about the project. And so creating those moments where people can give each other kind of positive strengths-based feedback, small thing. Running lessons learned sessions. So I always actually used to do this in person with teams, but you could translate this really easily to a virtual thing. So you could do a lessons learned session after a project has finished, for example, or something has launched. And you could make that really interactive uh, using a tool like Miro and Mural. So that could be, you know, you take a project and you kind of go, what worked well? What would be even better if? And you can do that on individual contribution. And sometimes even using little breakout groups. So let's say you've got 12 people in your Zoom or in your Microsoft Teams actually going off into smaller breakout conversations could be a way that you could dive a bit deeper into some of that virtual feedback so you get a bit more information. If it's information that helps you improve, more information better. I've seen examples of having Teams or Slack chat rooms where people can do at the end of every week, they can kind of give each other feedback in those. And also just having regularly, and remember Sarah mentioned earlier about the three R's and one of them was about routine. Creating feedback moments in every meeting is also a way that you could just make this more frequent with each other as well. So we've talked about those four areas of feedback challenges, how to get more constructive feedback, getting feedback from your peers, giving feedback to your manager and giving and getting feedback when you're working virtually. If you have any other ideas that have worked really well for you in your organisation or that you're experimenting with, please do let us know. We would love to learn from our community you're all as smarter than probably we are. We're only two people. So if you've got things that you think would benefit everybody else, please do let us know. And probably Instagram is the best place to do that where we're just at Amazing If. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn and messages there. And if you'd like to talk more about feedback or any of the other topics that we cover on the podcast every Tuesday, we also do something called Pod Plus, which is every Thursday morning for half an hour, it's the very start of the day, where we share a quick summary of the podcast. You don't have to have listened to join the sessions. We probably end up 50-50. Some people have, some people haven't. And then we share things like tools and techniques that are perhaps more difficult to talk about at the podcast. And it's a bit of a deeper dive. And that is also an amazing learning community of just like-minded people who love to both develop themselves but also really supportive of others so thank you very much for listening everyone and we'll be back with you next week take care thanks very much everyone bye for now 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.